Hello and welcome to The Tally Ho, our podcast all about classic cult TV show The Prisoner, with me Eason. And me Bex. And it's been a while, but we're back. And in today's episode, we've got an interview with Santiago Sanchez Pages, who has written a new Spanish language book all about The Prisoner called No Soy Un Numero, translated as Not a Number. And he talked to us about how he first came across The Prisoner and how this book came together over the past 10 years through his research into the show and the culture which gave rise to it. Yeah, it was a really fun couple of hours talking to Santiago and we really hope you enjoy the interview. We are delighted to be joined by Dr. Santiago Sanchez-Pages. Hi, Santiago. Hello. Hello. Santiago is a reader in economics at King's College London and has also written widely on topics of pop culture and cinema and for the last 10 years has been working on the world's first Spanish language book about The Prisoner. So, Santiago, when did you first watch the Prisoner TV series? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, but I think that that's something that is different from me uh, compared to other people that have been in, 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 in your show and your podcast, is that I actually came to the Prisoner quite late. I think it I was already 30, so it was not like, you know, a formative experience in my teenage years, in what is called impressionable years. So I remember that I was going through um, not, not a great patch uh, of, of personally uh, and and a colleague of mine uh, well a friend had uh, uh, told me about the series uh, which he watched when he was a teenager and then I remember that I came across the DVD for the 35th anniversary so you can guess when it was <laughs> and, and then I it was an it was an it, it was an bargain price so I I say okay let's uh let's let's watch that um and uh, yeah it, it, it was amazing right so yeah I've been warned that it was something uh, complete out of the ordinary, but I was not expecting anything like that. So um, it was, you know, what it was, 15 years ago already? Yeah, something, yeah, 15 years ago. And uh, the interesting thing is that, um, yeah, I watched it and I started seeing it everywhere in my in my life, so for instance, I remember, <laughs> I remember very vividly that at that time we had, um, you know, the head of the of the school. I, I was living in Edinburgh at the time, and I was at the, at the University of Edinburgh. And and the head of the of the school where my department was, um, we called him Doctor No because his initials were N O. <laughs> That's already kind of a spy theme there. And um, I was summoned from time to time to discuss things about, you know, about the department, and 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 and, and it started to. Yeah. So at, at at to that point, I thought, yeah, I was I was summoned by Doctor No, but then I realized that I was being summoned by Number Two, <laughs> uh, by you know, uh, that time was Doctor No, but in the previous year there had been another person, and of course that mm. person changed, and. There, are, there were always mentions to regulations, people up there in the college or in the Senate, people you never see, of course. And, uh, yeah, I started seeing that, you know, power has uh, many faces and no face. And uh, that was an interesting 
uh, experience. So, I mean, of course, um, there were uh, many things in the series which uh, were shocking in terms of the politics of the series, which is a, 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 an issue that not many people want to discuss or are willing to discuss, and I understand why. But, you know, I could see how powerful archetype the series had constructed and, and Maguhan had constructed there and, and that I could see it everywhere, right? So uh, it was, I couldn't, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's life-changing like some people say, like, oh, yes, after I saw The Prisoner, I watched The Prisoner, my life has changed, changed completely. I couldn't, I could, you know, everything was different from me, but, but, but clearly it made an impact. And, fr- and from the artistic point of view I, I haven't seen anything like this and what prompted you to uh, want to start working on a on a book about the program yeah so about a year after I watched the series a friend a group of friends or people that I knew from from the internet mostly started a website where you know there was at a time where the the golden age of series as we as we as we call it now was starting it was already in a way I believe now they are uh, critics are, are saying that we are in 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 the third golden age of of TV series. I don't know, uh, but you know, we wanted to write about TV series. So this, the, the website, what it tried was to do something that was completely insane, which is to write about um, each post was going to be about one episode, about one series. There were some series that had 150. And five and five hundred episodes. Look, no, imagine writing about Coronation Street episode by episode, something like that. Absolutely no sense. Uh, I mean, there was another person who was writing about Jackass, but instead of episode by episode, they were writing about sketch by sketch. So imagine, oh, you know, that that was that was the goal, which was completely demented. But but uh, but it was interesting. I mean, of course, we knew the experiment was going to end. Uh, soon, <laughs> because it makes no sense. Um, but it was part of the fun. And then um, when they asked me to write uh, on, on a series, then I had absolutely no doubt about it. So that was in September 2007. Imagine 13, more than 13 years ago that I wrote my first um, post on The Prisoner and was exactly on the day of the Fortieth uh, anniversary mm-hmm. of the so it was thirtieth September uh, of of two thousand and seven, um, so uh, yeah, I, 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 that was that was the that was what started it, and then um, well, I, I think I've been writing or thinking or documenting researching about the prisoner since then. You've written about um, sort of other aspects of pop culture, TV and cinema as well. What are your thoughts on The Prisoner's influence on the pop culture landscape? Hmm. So that's a very interesting question. And it has changed over the years. So um, so at some point, I, I knew that the last chapter of the, of the book had to be on the legacy of The, of the Prisoner. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, all chapters are numbered, of course, from zero to uh, to seventeen. And chapter eighteenth, which is about the legacy, I, I I chose to number it with the symbol of infinity, mm-hmm. with the I, with the, you know the plan that <laughs> we're still fifty three years after the prisoner was released, and we're still uh, having this conversation, which I think is, is absolutely fantastic. No? At first, when I was uh, writing that 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 chapter, uh, 
some years ago. I thought that that the legacy of the prisoner had not been that much. And actually, um, that chapter opens with a quote. I think, I, I don't remember exactly the name of the person, but I found it in one of the books on the prisoner. Uh, that saying that actually, the, it would be it is surprising how a city is so um, remarkable and as the, as the prisoner has had had so little influence in 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 the later culture. But but then the more I the more I um, I researched, the less that conclusion held. I, I I don't I don't think anymore that the shadow of the prisoner is not that long or is of of a lesser um, scale compared to its uh, artistic achievements. So uh, it is true, I think, that in the 70s and in the 80s, there's not much influence in TV or uh, in uh, or in films. There are a number of things which I can happy to discuss, but um, there are not that many. I think that part of it is that the, the the modes of production on TV in the 70s and in the 80s were rather conventional. And if you think especially of um, of American TV, and they recently had a, a big impact on on, 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 on on the US, of course, was, you know, these very long seasons, not particularly, I mean, of course, they were interesting, interesting series, but they were not of any... Or anything like the prisoner in terms of, of a challenge, mm-hmm. and I think that if you uh, that if that that the only thing that matches the prisoner, uh, and you know it very well, is Twin Peaks. That's the only thing that matches the prisoner. So you have to wait for twenty years to find something on TV that resembles anything in terms of challenge uh, that resembles the prisoner. And yes, there are things on. There are things on on TV, you know. The fans know very well about Columbo and and um, and, the, and and the appearances of Patrick McGowan there, saying "Be seeing you" and things like that. And actually, uh, I was I've, I've also found out that the last episode of the well, I, I think that that's not. I mean, I found out. I I, I think this not it is kind of common knowledge, but um, you know, the last episode of the Bionic Woman. Which is running in the late 70s is basically a rehash of the prisoners. So the bionic woman wants to resign, but of course they don't let them. Uh, they don't let her to do that. Uh, there are beats. If you if you watch Rollerball, I don't think that is any chance. Uh, is by chance that uh, the main character has a six. Uh, yeah. uh, of course you can you can find it. I mean, a boy and his dog. If you have watched it. When the character of Don Johnson goes under and in the underground, he finds a community which is basically it's basically the village. And uh, I was watching the other day Sardos, which is has I think also prisoner flavor. So you can see here uh, things here and there. But and I can see then maybe the conclusion is if you were writing in the 90s, um, yes, there's nothing like the prisoner. Uh, and the prisoner's influence has has been lost in in popular culture, not of course in the fans, right? But then, then you you can see that in 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 animation or in comics, 
then the prisoner was there. So mm. let alone the influence, you know, the, the, the version that Jack Kirby wanted to, to create. And there were a couple of attempts in the 70s. But also um, I found out there is, you know, uh, a manga, yeah, an anime by uh, Looping the Third, you know, this Japanese animation series that's one episode, which is basically a, a fun take on the prisoner. Or, you know, or G.I. Joe had a, had a, a double episode that was basically... <laughs> prisoner again um so it it is amazing how you know the prisoner pops here and there people were influenced and had the occasion to to um to show that here and there but i think that is it's not until twin peaks where you see you know as you know mark frost is a is a great fan of the prisoner then we have uh jj abrams and he has acknowledged that in both in alias and and, and lost and just Weddon as well you can find references in 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 buffy um and 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 and, and i think that as the uh tv medium and, and and film has become more diverse and and more and risk more artistically risky. I think that you know the offering that we are experiencing right now is amazing in, the, in that regard. And more people are are willing and able to um, to show that you know the prisoner influenced them. And and you know the the latest um, was to know that and, and I don't remember the name, but you know the showrunner of of Better Call Saul. Is also a, a great fan of the prisoner, and there is one episode that in the fifth season that actually starts like a rival, <laughs> with the main character even saying, uh, "What is the telephone?" and and the and the and the lady responding, "No, it's only local, only local calls." So um, you know, I, I think that it is becoming very clear, and and people are speaking now uh, about their influences, and now things as risky as the prisoner. Uh, are being produced. I mean, of course, very different. But but um, I would say that um, in the last 20 years or already 30 years, the influence of the prisoner has become uh, stronger. You can feel it stronger in, 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 in pop culture. And, and you can see uh, articles even referring to, you know, lockdown and the village and, you know, so relating the prisoner with, with, with COVID lockdown. And so uh, I think the prisoner is, is, is very much alive in, in pop culture. Yes. What was the broadcast history of the show in Spain? So when was it first shown and, and did it gain much of a, a following or a cult following there? Hmm. Yeah, that that's that's a very a very a very nice question and 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 some that I, I have been able to research only slightly. So um, the first shocking thing about about the broadcast of the prisoner is is that it was broadcast during the Franco dictatorship, which <laughs> would sound like a, a, a something impossible. I don't know how censors did not see. <laughs> <laughs> That that was not precisely the message that maybe they wanted people to, to take on board. But I don't know. Um, what is true is that it was uh, it was what, what I know is that it was broadcast between March and August of uh, 1968. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was broadcast every uh, Tuesday. 10:30 p.m. so quite late, and then that was in the second channel. You know, like it would be like BBC Two. Of course, there were only two channels at that time. 
Um, so that might explain why no one really noticed that much uh, or no one really cared because it was broadcast late. Um, it was broadcast uh, in, um, it was dubbed, of course, it was dubbed to uh, something that is called neutral Spanish, which is something that was very common at the time. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a type of Spanish which uh, takes um, sounds from both Latin America, Southern American Spanish or, or in Spanish, Spanish, Castilian. So it doesn't sound like it's from any particular country, but it, uh, uh, it sounds like it's coming from everywhere, right? Uh, which makes sense because, of course, there are more uh, Spanish-speaking people in, 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 in South America and, and than, in, than in Spain. Uh, so actually, that was a very common practice. And, and, and when I was little, I, I, I was watching cartoons in neutral Spanish. So for instance, in, in Scooby-Doo or things like that, mm-hmm. I was watching that. So I, then you could hear strange words like you know, burgers being called with a different name. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, maybe it became normal. So uh, that was a common practice those days when, um, you know, uh, American productions or British productions were sold um, to Spanish-speaking countries. They were dubbed in, in that uh, in that uh, in, in that version of Spanish. And a, a very in, interesting thing about the broadcast uh, apart from the funny translations of the of the episode names, is uh, that uh, it was broad, broadcast for 24 weeks, and so of course the seven the first 17 you 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 know what they were, but then there were seven more weeks uh, that they were um, you know uh, they were repeat repeat repeats right. But the interesting thing is that the first repeat they started again with arrival. So <laughs> you can imagine Spanish speaking or a Spanish person or a Latin American person watching The Prisoner, you know, watching Fallout and then next week tuning in to watch Arrival, which is, I think is exactly the way uh, the, the series is meant to be watched <laughs> in a cyclical way. And uh, probably it, it made lots of sense to them uh, that no, we are we are here again and we are doing exactly the same thing. Um, um I would have liked to, to talk to people who watched it uh, originally uh, at that time. I only managed to um, to contact one person through Twitter, and um, and he was mentioning that that they knew at the time that this was some, this was something completely out of their experience, their normal experience, anything that was broadcast on TV. I mean, it was something different. Uh, to anything that was broadcast in in, in, in in British TV, so imagine in Spanish TV at the time, which is even more primitive. Um, and uh, and it was kind of a secret, so it was not a big hit or anything like that. You know, that this person was a, was 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 a kid by the time, and and they could they they talked about it, but you know it was late. So there was kind of a bit of a clandestine aspect to it that, in principle, <laughs> you should be at, in bed by that time. Um, um, so it was never a, a, a big thing. I think that um, it 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 it, gave, it made a, a, a quite quite a, quite an impression on the people who watched it at the time, and from the people who have encountered that that watched it, they they tell me that. Um, but um, I think that that was lost. So it was not until uh, DVDs and and the internet that uh, kind of a, a 
I'm not going to say a fandom, but you know, a cult uh, started to uh, to grow in, in in at least in Spain, which is the, the the country that I know more. I wanted to ask about Port Marion as well because um, I I don't know if you if you've ever been there. We've we've been there a, a couple of times, um, and obviously you get the the beautiful way that it's shot in the show but it, it's so unusual here for being this um you know very intricately designed village with all of these influences of mediterranean architecture you know it's it's, it's completely different to anything that you would normally find in in britain and is therefore almost otherworldly but how what what's the experience of seeing that like when you, you're from a place of filled with Mediterranean architecture, if that makes sense. Um, is it strange in a different way? Oh, that, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I haven't been to Palmyra, and actually I, I wanted to, and, and, and then um, lockdown hit. So mm-hmm. as I was actually booking <laughs> the trip. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, um, it, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean... Um, Yes, you could see the influences there, and it looks like a resort to some extent. Um, so, I think that what is great about Pormirian, apart from it, itself, I think that what works amazingly is the contrast with the interiors, right? So, you mm-hmm. have this, this Mediterranean architecture, this very eclectic architecture, which is surprising in itself, right? Because it's kind of a collage of styles and, and times. Uh, but then um, you also have, you know, the interiors which are extremely futuristic and, and like it's coming from the future. And, and, and I may imagine, I mean, that was not what happened to me, but I may imagine that, that this, this contrast is even maybe even more, even stronger for, you know, people who are uh, used to see Mediterranean architecture in the sense that, you know, the outside of Formirian may, may seem familiar to you, uh, but then the interiors are completely, you know, make no, no sense. They are completely <laughs> incoherent what is inside, right? I guess that maybe for other audiences, you know, there is this a double shock there with, you know, this place which is like a dreamy place. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the contrast, uh, it, I think it, it, it takes a different flavor for uh for audiences which um, are more used to, if you want, Mediterranean architecture. I can, I can see that happening. I don't remember that happening to me at the time. I think that when I watched The Prisoner at first, my 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 first reaction was, okay, this is fantastic, but how they are going to, uh, how this is going to last for, I don't know how many episodes, how many twists you can make on this, on this very simple premise of a person that cannot escape from a place. And I remember that every episode I was amazed, uh, and may, that that might have uh, taken over other considerations. But but I can see that 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 for uh, let's say Mediterranean quote unquote audiences, this may be uh, an interesting contrast that they may find. Yes. So just following up on that, I think there's um, there's one way of looking at the prisoner, which is very much that it is a a product of the sixties. Uh, 60s television 60s style 60s culture but also um you know as we've kind of touched upon it retains a huge amount of relevance uh you know decades later we're still discussing it today and there are people still going back and analyzing and adding to the discourse around the show um could you kind of comment on you know on that the fact that it is a you know it's a it's culturally 
um, a kind of 60s pop culture kind of show, but it has it has this everlasting relevance even today. Yes, yes. Well, I think that that's um, you have touched on 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 the key on why we are here 53 years later talking about the prisoner uh, and and even though, for instance, you know, The Avengers is a is a, is a fantastic show. I, I I love it to bits, but we don't discuss the Avengers. I don't think or the Avengers is not discussed at the same length, even though the Avengers is as infused with 60s culture as, as The Prisoner. And I, it has to do with this incredible mix of um, of archetypes and, and, and myths and, and, um, um, and, you know, very fundamental um, concepts that The Prisoner addresses with the with the with the 60s um, zeitgeist, if you want, or, or mindset, or the cultural milieu of that time. So that was the main challenge. So, for instance, when I when I started writing about the prisoner, uh, so with the very so 30 years ago, um, then immediately I realized that there was a lot to say about that, and that's actually what led me to bit by bit, um, to convert those posts on that crazy, demented website onto something like the book that is going to be published now, uh, which is that I, that, you know, there was a lot to be analyzed and, 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 and discussed and researched. At a, at a superficial level, it was just that the matter, as I think you have mentioned a number of times in your podcast, that even if you just press the, the pause button here and there, you know, you, you, are, you can, if you want to look at all the details, you may, it may take like three hours to watch an episode of <laughs> the five minutes if you want to, you know, reflect on everything that you are watching. So that goes on the artistic density of, I'm just using this pedantic word to, to just to mention to, to, to try to refer to the amount of ideas, concepts, both both visual and and, and in terms of the argument uh, uh, that um, you know of the narrative that take place in every episode of the of the prisoner, which is you know a great success in terms of the team that Magohan assembled there and you know everybody there. Um, was brilliant and you can see that uh, they were visionary in the sense that it was made in color that it was in 35 millimeters um, and of course as you have mentioned for Miriam is kind of otherworldly so it will never date um, so that is on the one side something that yeah it, it helps a lot to, for, for, for the for the presence of the of the prisoner in in, in in our lives and, and pop culture in general. I thought when uh, um, when writing about the prisoner, something that I think that that uh, Fiona Moore and, uh, and Alan Stevens have mentioned in the times they have been here in your podcast is that you cannot understand the prisoner without understanding the 60s. So a, a big part of, of, of my research over these years had been that I felt that it was essential to, you know, watch all the series, you know, not all the series, but a big chunk of them, a lot of films, 
to read a lot about the 60s, understand how it was done. I also found out that, you know, if you want to understand the, the 60s, uh, the prisoners, sorry, you also have to go even before that. Um, and and one key piece there, were, I mean, I think there were two two key realizations. But one that was, and of course, for me, being, not being British, I had to also get to know about British history as well. Right? Yeah, I think it, it is, of course, necessary to know a bit about what's go, what was going on in Britain at the time to understand the prisoner. I mean, just imagine a, a, an episode like Free for All. You need to understand what's going mm-hmm. on with British politics because, you know, Maguan wrote the episode in, a, in an election year and was mm-hmm. putting there in, in, in that script many of his thoughts about the, 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 the political process, which were prevalent at, in Britain at the time. Um, but then you have to go backwards. And, and, and then I, I met, uh, I, I came across a book that I think that has not been that mentioned in, in respect to the prisoner, which is um, um, The Outsider by Colin Wilson. Um, if, I, if I'm talking too much, you, you let me know, okay? Uh, because then I'm getting to my professorial <laughs> role. <laughs> Uh, that's you know uh, this is uh, an occupational hazard that I may start uh, <laughs> lecturing you about these things, right? Um, but you know, in, in the outsider, uh, um, you can see that I mean, Colin Wilson goes over many outsiders that you can think of in literature. You know, going to Russian literature, and uh, and of course, the outsider happened at the same time as as the angry young men movement in cinema, mm. in British cinema. I don't think you can understand The Prisoner without watching this sport in life or, or reading and watching The, lonely, the Loneliness of The Long Distant Runner. Mm. Um, or, and, and then, of course, I, I, I realized yeah, I have to go even backwards in time. Um, more than the 60s. I have to go to the mid-50s and, and understand that because, I mean, I mean, you can see that, I mean, Maguan was 20-something at that time. So he was an angry young man and he was he was, he was there um, playing Brand, which is another outsider. You know, Ibsen Theater is full of outsiders. If he, not only Brand, but, you know, Enemy of the People, which is about... It's about a person that you know rebels against the entire the, the entire community because he wants to put forward the truth that there, you know there is a, a hell hazard in you know in the water in uh, at the at the uh, at that town. No one wants to acknowledge that because of uh, it will it will scare tourists, which is important for the town. You know, again, you have a person against against the world, so. And what I'm all this is all this very long winded discussion is heading to is that you know there are all these archetypes that that of the outsider but go even back to mythology as you have uncovered in your own podcast where you can see that that the the roots of the prisoner are there are in religion and the archetypes there are in 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 mythology and and it's not surprise it's not surprising that that Jungian psychology has been invoked to understand uh, has been invoked to understand the prisoner, even though Maguire himself said that 
he had not read a, a word, a single word of 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 of, of Jung or of <laughs> Kafka. But but you can see that there are all these incredible, strong and old archetypes that are there um, that go back to myths, uh, you know, like the the monomyth by by Campbell on the you know the hero's journey and it had I don't think it fits absolutely well with the prisoner but you know you can see that that is tapping into these very strong archetypes and we have to uh, and we know from Jung but from many other from anthropologists as well that 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 myths are just kind of external representations of the human mind and how the human mind tries to understand the world. So by tapping into these myths, coming from Christianity as well, and, and from Greek mythology, um, mostly through Anthony Skin's um, scripts, which are the three uh, episodes by Anthony Skin, I think they are crucial for the, for the series as well. Um, you know, in the end, both the combinations of the 60s, visuals, culture, and, you know, these very strong and powerful archetypes and, and, and myths is what is responsible for us being here today talking about, I'm talking about the prisoner. Without that, then we would be appreciating the, the prisoner. Uh, we we may be calling it, you know, that weird spy series with the white balloon, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, we will be talking about it as we talk about uh, the Avengers, maybe, but not to the length of discussion and even angry discussions between fans about this <laughs> and that. So your book, whose Spanish title translates as uh, Not a Number, came out at the end of last year. Um, I'm just fascinated by the idea that you were working on it for such a long period of time. Um, over that period, what uh, what resources were available to you to kind of uh, research the prisoner? I mean, did you turn to books, online resources, etc., to kind of you know build your arguments that you uh, that you present in your in your work? Um, I think it's part of uh, let's call it a, a professional de- deformation or deformity that you know when I research something, I have to go to the last. <laughs> To the last bit of it, uh, for me, you know, researching and and and, and documentation is often mm, much more fun than actually sitting <laughs> down and writing, right? Uh, I mean, for other people, it might be different, but for me, you know, I, I, it is a great passion. But it's also because I, I I felt the obligation in general in my work, but that if I want to say something, it has to make sense, mm-hmm. uh, has to be backed by something. Um, and I and and if I wanted to talk about the prisoner and and especially you know the the slant of the book is that is to um, to help. Um, I mean, it is important. I, I haven't mentioned that, but you know, um, the book is designed not only as a guide or as a book on the prisoner, but is because I think that there is a limited interest to that, in the sense that we, we can now all watch the prisoner basically. Not every time we want because it's not it's 
surprisingly difficult to access compared to other uh, to other series mm-hmm. of the of the period. But um, you know, we can watch it. We have DVDs. We can stop, press pause. It's something that didn't happen in the past. You know, people had to wait years to watch The Prisoner. So um, now, um, now that's not the case. So um, um, I, I felt that that you know I had to do more than that, more than just write a book for the fan. I also had to book to write a book for someone who has not watched even a single minute of The Prisoner, because that's that's the common situation in Spain, right? So I mean, not that many people know The Prisoner. So of course, many people in in, in the UK or in the US know about The Prisoner, uh, but not that many not that many in Spain. So writing a book about you know an episode guide or just a book for fans uh, of the series was not was not the best strategy. So I thought that another slant I had to go, to give to the book was to use it as a way to guide readers into the fascinating world of the popular culture of the 60s hmm. and how the 60s relate with, with our present time, uh, if, if at all. Uh, so I, um, in that process, I also felt, as I said, that I had to understand the 60s to understand the prisoner. So part of this documentation process that you were mentioning for a long time was about, you know, watching all the series, all the all films that had any relationship, you know, most of the spy films, um, not only uh, in English language, but, you know, from other, um, from other countries, you know, the very fertile French uh, cinematography on, on, on spy films. I had to watch a lot of things uh, if you want to, or at least that's what I felt, that I had to watch a lot of things if I wanted to talk about it properly. The other challenge was something that I, I think that Alan Stevens mentioned in one of your podcasts, which is that if you want to write about The Prisoner 50 years after it was released, necessarily you have to talk about everything that has been written about The Prisoner in these many years, which has been a lot. Uh, you have to add. You have to acknowledge that, uh, and you have to summarize it somehow. You have to mention it. You have to engage with it. You have to dialogue with that because it's, it's not just you in your in your in your room writing about this. Like this has never no one. You are the first one. And there are brilliant analyses, both academic and non-academic, on the prisoner. Um, and I and I had the feeling, well, I had the need. I felt the need to to go over that. So yeah, I've also read as much literature as I as I could uh, on that, uh, and also watched interviews and 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 hear, uh, listen to podcasts like yours, like like yours, which has been brilliant and and has unique analysis of it. Of course, referencing everything because that's how it should be done. But you know. I have a debt with everyone who has been written, discussing, talking about the prisoner. I have found brilliant analysis from fans. So I think, for instance, I want to vindicate here, for instance, there was a, a bunch of wonderful um, and not much discussed articles by Rosemary Camilleri in a number of, of places. Some of them are, are in their mutual website that Rick Davies so so wonderfully creates um, 
there are uh, very uh, brainy <laughs> analysis done in academia. So, for instance, I had read three or four PhD dissertations that have been written on the prisoner. Uh, chapter books and academic books, uh, articles that have been written on the prisoner, websites by fans, which from the, with, with great theories and, and great insights on, on on that. And I thought it was my 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 duty to do that to all these to all these fans. And in terms of the academic literature, which is I think one of the maybe one of the added values of the of the of the book, which I understand might not be accessible for for you know. Everyone that wants to, to, any person that wants to write about the prisoners, so, you know, you need to have a library and to have access to these sources. And some of them are, are hard to get um, uh, and not that, not that, not that readily available. Um, so one pr- guiding principle when when using these 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 sources was for me kind of the same that guides my teaching, which is if I cannot understand it, I'm not gonna talk about it uh, or uh, I need to understand it first in order to be able to write about it so yes there are um, so in the book I have to invoke heavy ways uh, of philosophy or, or of thought in general like Foucault or Deleuze things that uh, yeah I have to talk about that but but always in a way I trans- put them in a way in which you know everybody everyone can understand it um, so I think that um, in this process of documentation and research, I, I had to do what what the prisoner did. I mean, in the prisoner, you had very, if you want, highbrow topics and references. And as I, I was referring to um, to Anthony Skin's uh, scripts, you know, in a B, no, sorry, in Dance of the Dead, he throws references to Cocteau, right? Uh, many of them, but at the same time, you have uh, in 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 Happy Many Returns, you have a gag, you know, a sketch that is basically taken from a Carrion film, from <laughs> Carrion Spine, you know, the milkman that goes into the <laughs> into the into the airbase, and 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 that was the the big thing about the prison. It was mixing. I mean, of course, the high bro, low bro uh, distinction is uh, absolute nonsense. But you know, it was mixing things uh, from here and there, and and I and I had to do the same with the documentation. You could, and the research, you can. Uh, I I found treasures when reading Foucault, uh, um, and I was uh, I, I found treasures when reading fan websites. And and I I try to uh, of course I have missed I'm sure I've missed a number of things, but my goal was that in terms of research that this was the ultimate book on the prisoner. Of course it's not because that's that's impossible. But that was the aim because I think that mm. was the aim. It's the same principle that was guiding uh, us when we were writing this demented website on on series. Of course we knew <laughs> it was going to fail. But we behaved as he was going to succeed, and that was our aim. And that's what I've been trying to do with the book, to to research as much as possible, because I thought that was uh, something that I owe to everybody who has been a fan of The Prisoner, even if they were not to read the book. Um, and then on throw of that, and, and in the process of that, I found things which I think have not been uh, mentioned Um 
happy to give you a couple of those. So for instance, um, one of the challenges of writing about um, Once Upon a Time, about the about that episode, was um, you know something that has been mentioned a, a, a number of times, which is you know the theater of the absurd, right? Is one of the key references of that episode. Um, but but then, if you start writing, if you start reading the fantastic book by Martin Essen, I think that's the name on, on the theater of of the absurd. Then I I found out that actually there is a a, a Spanish uh, play from 1958, um, actually from a Catalan author, which resembles a lot the prisoner. I mean, it, it is preoccupied by the same topics about it. It is it is mm-hmm. it is called um, the translation would be man and no, and it's about a number of people who have who are jailed for no one really knows which reason, and they just know that in front of them outside the outside the, the you know, the, the bars, it's just this person called No, um, um, which basically tells them that they cannot go out and and rebutes all their arguments for getting out. And at some point in the play, it is revealed, I mean, the characters manage to escape um, and they take a curtain out and what they find is another that they are already jailed. There are another set of bars. Everybody was jailed. Even no, no was jailed. Everybody, everybody was jailed. And you know, it was a, it was, it's, a it's a play on the fight on on, on a, it's a fight about liberty and freedom. And you know, that was fifty eight. You know, and that's the prisoner and 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 as well. I mean, you know, the same preoccupation is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting thing, going back to myths, is that something that. Came apparent to me, and I'm not. I'm not sure that was that was referred to, which is that that fallout has many connotations, Jungian, which has been noted and 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 and, and has been a long time. Because of course, as you can imagine, the analysis of fallout, it, it actually one could even write just a book on fallout. <laughs> um, is that actually it resembles a lot um, the episode in the Bible of what is called the Harrowing of Hell. Which is that time between Christ is crucified and and, and resurrects, where Christ visits uh, the underworld and frees the the souls of of the good men that were you know that died before he was crucified and therefore managed to save them from the original sin. So he went to the underworld and escaped. Resurrected, taking with him the souls of, of 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 noble and good men, which sounds like basically what he what what uh, the prisoner does in Fallout. <laughs> uh, and I I think it's uh, in in your podcast sometime at some point Sam said something like you know everything in, in the prisoners about Christianity. Uh, <laughs> I was I was reluctant at first, but you know after after realizing that connection, um, then I realized there is a lot of it. There, because you know it's meets archetypes, as I was saying before, and um, and I think that I did not find any of these uh, in in a book. But it, without that research process, I could not have found these connections. You've ended up writing the first Spanish language book about the prisoner, and I think it's really interesting that you were saying that you have all these different sources that you refer to. Um, I'm also intrigued by the fact that. 
you know, are there other are there other shows that you think you yourself would want to talk about? Is there actually you know a big a big market for you know analysis, but in in native Spanish of, of a lot of cult TV shows and and you know spy fi shows of that era as well, in the same way that there's a lot of it in English. Hmm. So um, writing about about TV series have, have in Spain has become a big thing only in the last ten years or so, which coincides with you know this golden age of TV series that hmm. that we have been we were discussing before. Before that, there was not much I have to say, um, but you know with the internet. I think that that's true also every, everywhere else. But, you know, with the internet, people could start talking, sharing experiences, and that was crucial. But, you know, in terms of, of books written on, on, on TV culture and pop culture, it's it's only in the last 10 years, especially there have been nice analyses about, you know, the usual suspects you can think, which are Twin Peaks or The Sopranos as well or Lost which have been very popular. Um, so I think that there is a lot of interest, in, at least in Spain, and I can imagine also in other Spanish-speaking countries, about TV series, um, but mostly uh, mostly recent ones. Um, of course, there is some nostalgia about uh, TV series from the 80s. So, you know, there were... TV series which were very popular with people my age at that time, you know, like uh, the A Team or the Night Driver or <laughs> MacGyver, things like that. And there have there have been some nostalgic books on that. But let's say that that, that you know it has now become acceptable for writers, mainstream writers, if you want mm. to talk about series. Game of Thrones and things like that, and even to incorporate that, uh, you know, into analysis of the political analysis. So, for instance, the current vice president of the Spanish government is a quite uh, big fan of series and and likes to cast the political reality <laughs> in the light of TV series. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, there is there is a, a lot of interest on that. If you ask me about shows like, you know, The Prisoner or The Avengers, uh, um, I think that there is, there is uh, there are a number of there are lots of fans about it uh, of them of this series. Um, more than I think, I mean, they're not super well known, but more than maybe they know, and they have not been connected. Hopefully, I will try with with this book that you know. Uh, people of different ages, people who watched the TV series at the time or in the reruns that had happened in the early 70s, and people who have uh, discovered the, the, the series now with the internet to, 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 to get them together, uh, I mean, to um, help them realize that there are other people like them mm. out there. Mm. Um, yes, I mean, that, I, I would like the, the, the book to be, uh, to have that, to, to achieve that. Because I think, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard many people, which I did not like, have expected to have watched The Prisoner, say, oh, yeah, it's a great series. Um, and actually, even when I was looking for a, for a publisher for the book, uh, many of them uh, knew, about the, knew about the series. Um, um, so I think there are more fans that they, that they think there are. Um, but, yeah, 
I would say that is a relatively recent, just to summarize, it's a relatively recent phenomenon and it's more focused on, you know, prestige series like, you know, Mad Men and, and Mad Men and things like that, uh, that, you know, the interest of, of, of writers uh, is on at the moment. I do wonder as well if it's partly held back a little bit by the fact that The Prisoner isn't that easy to watch on any streaming services that we're aware mm. of. Um, you know, certainly not any of the, the big ones that people tend to subscribe to. It's it's not as accessible as a lot of other sh- sort of very prestigious shows, maybe from the past 20 years. Um, I, I do feel like what, what would happen if Netflix picked it up and put it on for for people to watch? You know, would it have another resurgence of people finding it and being interested in it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is surprising. So, um you know, we, we have the feeling that everything is accessible all the time. But you're absolutely right. Then, for instance, when I was I was trying to locate some of the films, so for instance, one thing that I, I spend a lot of months on, which is that on researching the Eurospy genre, you know, these uh, Bond imitations and spoofs, of the time, with and and I found that lots of them actually transpired into Bond films or in more serious films, right? So when I was when I was researching that filmography, then it was very difficult to get some of to, to get hold of these of these titles, and that negates that 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 this idea that you know everything is there. We don't need any more physical copies of things because you know any time we want to watch that, we just you know, we can find it everywhere. And it's absolutely true. And with The Prisoner, it's even more shocking, no? So the other day, someone was asking me, because the book is going to be, I mean, I was correcting the proofs the other day, so now it's going to be announced that finally it's going to be on paper because so far we had, you know, the pre-order stage. So finally people are asking me, you know, where, 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 where can I watch The Prisoner? And I, I shrugged, right? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where can you watch that? Yeah, I redirect them to you know the platforms where it is there in a an illegal. I guess they are there. They are okay, uh, you know, like YouTube and things like that. There are some of them, but uh, of course not with Spanish subtitles. Um, mm. Yeah, it it is surprising. But I mean, if you think about it, I'm not even sure that the Avengers is available. Uh, that easily either. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying. I was watching a lot of Avengers because I had not watched that series that much. Because of course, the, of course, the relationship between Prisoner and the Avengers is 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 very strong in terms of you know scripts and and, and ideas. And, um, but, and, I, and I, I had a very hard time uh, finding the Avengers as well. And you know, uh, it is surprising that that. That, that, I, that they are not available, and uh, you are absolutely, uh, absolutely right, Bex. That if this uh, series were available, who knows what would happen? You know, who knows what would happen with the prisoner if it became available on? I mean, it would be fantastic to watch it in Netflix, high quality, full color. It, uh, it test, it passes the test of time so well hmm. that uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it would, it would be it would be fantastic. I think that that's something that that may, 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 maybe we want to advocate. Yes, should. How many shows, uh, you know, of that era were actually broadcast in Spain? I was just interested about the fact that you know, obviously the prisoner made it across, although it was shown in a bit of a graveyard slot. Was it um, 
was it sort of you know, a common thing for all these shows from the UK and the US to be shown in Spain in some capacity, or they were um, part of packages of shows by the same production companies that were just sold to Spain? I think that they were sold quite a lot in Spain in the in the format that I tell you, you know, in this neutral Spanish. Mm. Um, but I know that the Avengers were uh, were uh, broadcast. Uh, I know that the Manfro Manco was also broadcast um, because I, I, I've been able to spot a couple of, of influences of that on Spanish comics. Um, and, and definitely one big hit was The Invaders, for instance. Uh, I remember my, my, my dad was telling me about, you know, the, the, these aliens with the crazy finger. Uh, um, so, so yeah, the, the, the American and, 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 and British uh, shows of the time were released maybe, maybe later than, 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 of course. And by later, I don't mean a, a few months like, uh, like the prisoner, but, you know, maybe years, two, three years. Um, and they got into 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 the collective consciousness to some degree. So there are a, a lot of uh, fans of of the Avengers in Spain of an older age, um, because you know it is related with the mod culture. Um, so it was part of that of that cultural um, baggage. And and so. But but you cannot trace. I mean, when I'm, I think that I guess that what I'm trying to convey here is that, like in 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 Britain and the U.S. with fan clubs and things like that, there has been a continuity mm. in the fandom, in the sense that you know, or in the 80s there was the reruns of the Prisoner in Channel Four, in the U.S. As there were reruns of the Prisoner in the late 70s and in the 80s. Uh, I mean, it was airing. I mean, maybe not in the 70s, but you know, there was airing from for a long time. I mean, Spain there is a disconnect between you know these first broadcasts in the late 60s and early 70s and the internet age. There were no fan clubs, no VHS, nothing like that. That was maintained, you know, the the flame alive. So that um, there is a continuity, and, and and yes, I can talk to my dad or people their their age, and they remember this series uh, if they if they were curious enough. Uh, but if you ask people who are you know um, slightly younger, and um, then then they will not necessarily know about that. They will know about other series, of course, um, but not about the area, the series of that era, and then you have to meet people like me or or younger who um, know about it mostly through through the internet. And the, the so spy-fi genre as a whole, from the the nineteen sixties and, and into the seventies, sort of has a, a legacy that you can feel through a lot of British and American television that came afterwards. Uh, it was there much influence on subsequent Spanish TV shows? Of that that style or that type of show? Um, I'm afraid no. Um, the thing is that the um, Spanish TV remains um, has remained until very recently 
um, very generic. So um, there is not much of a taste for genre series. So they tend to be, you know, dramas or comedies, sitcoms, things like that. But nothing that resembles. There are very few, you know, sci-fi or spy uh, themed themed uh, series. So the closest thing you can think of, as we mentioned before, is you know this Spanish show that has become very popular, La Casa de Papel. I think it's called Money Heist or House of Paper. I don't know. Um, which is you know is about heist. So the cape, if you want the caper genre. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is uh, also, in terms of films, a bit more uh, production in terms of sci-fi. Um, like, you know, there is a very recent film called The Platform. That is, you can watch it in Netflix. It has some uh, a sci-fi film, which is actually quite nice. Um, but, you know, Spanish uh, audiovisual production was kind of traditional in, in its genres um, until until recently. So there's nothing like uh, nothing like the prisoner of course or and nothing like the Avengers or nothing like um, you know spy fi anything even like alias or Nikita or things like that or X Files. I mean there have been some attempts to to import that that vocabulary, that language but they have not been met with uh, great success. And I think it's now in the last, let's say, five years where, you know, people are really thirsty for content. And, you know, we're watching series all the time and people want to watch, are binging on series. And, and that I think that now, and also the production uh, has become more diversified. So, up to really recently, all the TV series that were produced by produced by TV channels that were extremely conservative or in the sense of um, they wanted to create contents for the whole family. So you had very weird series that were targeted for everybody. So, you know, for all the people, for kids, for, you know, um we're not a very clear, of course, then they cannot be generic because then in that case, then older audiences may not like that. So, but it's now when you have other ways of production through other platforms and, 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 you know, video on demand, but, you know, all the other channels where now you can start seeing more risky and, and interesting productions in terms of TV series. So now I think that for Spanish TV is, is, a, is a good moment in terms of, you know, there's more risk and more diverse offering. But um, still, there's a lot of uh, to catch up and, and there's nothing uh, yet of that caliber. But, you know, it, it, is, it is there, but uh, it, is only, it is only very recent. It's getting there. So one final question, um, having analysed uh, the show thoroughly, uh, both the show itself, but the context of its um, uh, production and its long-lasting impact, um, and really knowing it inside out, uh, do you have a, a favourite episode of The Prisoner? Yes, yes. Uh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that question, <laughs> <laughs> being a fan of your podcast. Um, well, well, um, and I've been thinking on how to answer that question. Um, it's hard to say, you see. Um, I, I, I like a lot the Anthony Skin episodes. I, I, I like them a lot. Um, I mean, you know, people tend to like a lot 
episodes written by Maguan, which I understand. Uh, and of course, they are crucial for the show. But I also think that without the Anthony Skins episodes, I mean, the prisoner would be very different. Um, and then among the three episodes that he wrote, um, by the way, that let me mention that uh, Anthony Skin had this uh, wrote um, a TV play uh, that was uh, released a few years before the prisoner called The File on Harry Jordan. Uh, which is lost, unfortunately. But from the descriptions that, that we have of that show, it resembles a lot uh, the the prisoner. You know, it's, <laughs> have you have you uh, heard about the file on Harry Jordan? No, we haven't. No. no? So it, it is about you know this very pushy and cocky young person that wants to become you know the boss of the company. The company is of course based in a very tall building. And uh, manages to um, to um, to escalate to the first floor, where the, the, the lift will not get there. To the thirteenth floor, actually, the top floor. And and there uh, he finds uh, the boss of the company and and finds out that um, that he has been groomed to become the new boss. And he's very happy about that because that's what he wanted to uh, he wanted to do all the time. But the price of that is that he will not be able to leave anymore. <laughs> uh, so I wonder whether George Markstein maybe saw that, that and said, "This is my man for uh, for." <laughs> probably, probably he did. It would be great if that if that I know could somehow have been researching as much as I could uh, to find that, but uh, but I, I, I might be lost. But, you know, it would be great to have. I mean, there are a, a number of, uh, sorry to take in here a detour, um, because you already were in the, the final question. But then, you know, <laughs> just to mention that there are a number of, of, of things that, of, you know, pieces that it would be great to have. One is the, the file on Harry Jordan to be able to, to to see the influence, but also is um, the other one would be the Big Brother version of the BBC in, from '64, I think, because it might be, you know, it would be interesting to see. We, we of course, the one in, from '54, we know, and 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 you could feel the influence that it had on the prisoner in the posters and Once Upon a Time. But you know there was another one from '64, which apparently has also been lost, and I would be very curious to know that. And of course, the the one that I, it would be great to know would be the the version of the Prisoner, the Bridget Poland, you know, play that Maguan uh, was part of. Um, that he he played, you know, the interrogator there. It would be great to see Maguan play number two, um, <laughs> which is basically what what the interrogator is doing there in that in that play. Uh, anyway, all this was to say that Anthony Skin's uh, scripts were were great, and and if I had to choose, it's a very tough choice between Dance of the Dance and Dance of the Dead and A, B, and C. Um, I think I, I would pick A, B, and C because of of that moment at the end of it when you know they, they play with the screens and mm -hmm. and they all watch and they they when when um, in the dream number six is entering the chamber with where where number two is um that is doing that in the dream and and they look to the door 
waiting for him to enter while number six is on, you know, on the bed there, <laughs> lying. And they believe their own fiction. Um, and, and I think that moment is fantastic. And of course, we can discuss that, I mean, about the many other things that are happening in that episode, you know, searching for the unconscious and uh, even as a meta-analysis of the TV medium but even that artistic finding in itself, I think it makes that episode, if not my favourite, one of my favourites. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really thank fascinating you. talking to you and we really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Uh, where can people get hold of your book? Yes, so um, the book can uh, still be pre-ordered in, in the website of the publisher. The publisher is... Uh, uh, has an English name, it's Applehead Team. So if you go there, if you're a Spanish-speaking person or just a completist of the prisoner, uh, you can just go to the website of the of the of the publisher, Applehead Team, and you can order the book. The book is, I think, it's on print at the, as we speak, so it should be out of the oven next week. So uh, <laughs> should be uh, ready ready for you um, if you want to to have a look at it. And where can our listeners find you on social media? Yes, um, so um, the, um, I have a Twitter account uh, where um, uh, where I chat about you know popular culture, and so on Twitter I'm at at Dr. Zito Z I T O, so D R Z I T O. Um, yeah, that's where they can find me to chat about the book uh, or about the prisoner or about popular culture in general. Yeah, very happy to 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 connect with other fans of the series, of course. Thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, I think all that's left to say is be, be seeing, seeing you. you. So thanks again to Santiago for joining us. It was fascinating talking to him about the book and also finding out some of the history of the broadcast of The Prisoner in Spain as well. And if you go to our website to look at the episode show notes, uh, we have links to where you can get the book and also all of Santiago's uh, social media presence as well. Yep, and if you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter at TFCAA, on Facebook and our page Time for Cakes and Ale, or on our website timeforcakesandale.com. Yeah, so please get in touch. We'll be back soon talking more about the worlds of The Prisoner on the Tally Ho, Twin Peaks on Time for Cherry Pie and Coffee, and our regular ramblings on Time for Cakes and Ale. But until next time, be, be seeing, seeing you. you.